Good morning, PT. Let's get into the word of the Lord. Mark chapter 11, verses 1 to 4, and also verse 7 and 11. Reading from the Passion Translation. Jesus sent two of his disciples ahead and said to them, as soon as you enter the village, ahead of you will find a donkey's coat tied there that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it to me. And if anyone asks, why are you taking it? Tell them the master needs it and will send it back to you soon. So they went and the disciples brought the coat to Jesus and piled their cloaks and prayer shawls. Please read Numbers chapter 15, verse 37 to 41 to explain what I mean by prayer shawls on the donkey. They put their prayer shawls on the donkey and Jesus rode upon the donkey. Jesus rode through the gates of Jerusalem and up to the temple. Again, my title for this sermon is Jesus Needs a Donkey, Part 2. Let's bow our heads. Father, I pray that my speech and my preaching will not be with the enticing words of man's wisdom, a demonstration of spirit and power that our faith will not rest in the wisdom of any man but in the power of God. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Let the eyes of the understanding of our hearts be enlightened that we would know the hope of your calling. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Again, I want to speak to you on the title, from the title, Jesus needs a donkey part two. Now, I want to do a little review of part one, which we spoke on uh, Palm Sunday. If you remember, uh, Jesus is borrowing a donkey uh, to ride into Jerusalem on what we call Palm Sunday, where the people were crying out for Jesus to be their king, and they were saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The word Hosanna is translated to mean Lord save us now because they were expecting Jesus to conquer the Roman Empire as the Messiah, as the soon coming expected king of the Jews. Now Jesus, the reason why he needed a donkey at this time is because he was, going to, he was fulfilling the prophecy that is found in the book of Zechariah chapter 9, where, G, where it is prophesied that Jesus, as the king, would ride on a donkey. And so he is fulfilling the word of the Lord. But I want to let you know that Jesus still needs a donkey. And I'm here to make a case for donkeys because of the fact that there's a negative uh, connotation with regards to donkey. But I, as I researched donkeys, I found out something very powerful and special about them. And it reminds me that Jesus still needs needs donkeys to do his will. Uh, if you remember on Palm Sunday, I talked about that three things that a donkey does. Number one, uh, I stated that a donkey can hear another donkey 
if they're in a desert 60 miles away. 60 miles away. That's amazing. So, for example, to give you some perspective, if, say, uh, 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 one donkey was in Cambridge and another donkey was in Worcester, that donkey could hear the cry of another donkey that is in Worcester plus another eight miles west. So it's amazing that a donkey can hear that far in a desert. And what I'm saying, what am I saying? I'm saying that uh, we need to hear the cry of other people who are in a, not a desert, but a deserted place. And this is a strict scripture that struck me. The Bible says uh, in Proverbs chapter 21, verse 13, that we need to hear the cry of the poor, the cry of the poor. And so during this challenge of COVID, the COVID-19 pandemic, can we hear the cry of the poor? Can we hear the cry of those who are broken, those who lost their jobs, those who are hurting? Jesus needs a donkey to hear the cry of others who are far away, far in a deserted place. The second thing I shared is that, uh, number two, donkeys are stronger than a horse of the same size. Yes, a donkey carries more weight in proportion to its size than any other animal in the Bible. What am I saying? Uh, Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 and 2 tells us, bear one another's burdens so that you fulfill the law of Christ. John chapter 13, around verse 34, 30, uh, around 31 to 35, around there, he says, the new commandment I give unto you, this is John 13, that you love one another as I have loved you, that, also, that you also love one another. Look, listen, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, you are my learners, you are my followers. What? If you have loved one to another. We're to bear the burdens of each other. But the other thing about bearing burdens as a donkey, and that is this, can you bear the burdens of the Lord? What am I saying? The Bible says that the Levites, who are the priests, and the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, that he, we are priesthood. Everybody who's a believer, everybody who's given their life to Jest is a royal priesthood. And a priest's responsibility is this. Listen to this. A prophet speaks to people for God. A priest speaks to God for people. And God is calling us to bear the burden of other people, bear the burden of prayer. Are you praying for people besides your bless us for no more, your closest friends, your family? We are called to bear the burdens of people in prayer. The Bible says that in, and read it for yourself, in 1 Chronicles chapter 15, verse 15, that the priests, the Levites, their responsibility was to carry, thank you, Jesus, the ark that is the presence of God on their shoulders. Are you carrying the burdens of the Lord on your shoulders? This is interesting. The Bible says when they were crossing over from uh, the crossing over the Jordan to go into the promised land, if you remember Israel, they were delivered, the nation of Israel was delivered out of Egypt, spent 40 years in the wilderness, and then they were crossing over the Jordan. 
uh, actually crossing through the Jordan into the promised land. The Bible says, God said, hey, in order for you to cross over in the Jordan, cross over to the promised land, Joshua, the priests must go first. Read it in Joshua chapter 3. And the priests did to bear my presence, the ark, on their shoulders. And when they step into the Jordan, the Bible says that the waters parted. The waters of the Jordan parted. Though it was at the highest point of, of, that se of the season, the waters parted so that the whole nation can cross through the Jordan onto the other side of the Jordan on dry land. What am I saying? I am saying that there are some people who will simply not make it into their destiny, will simply not make it into their promised place unless a priest, unless you pray for them. Yes, that's a responsibility. There are some people who will not make it unless you pray. There was a group of us, uh, midnight, uh, Friday night midnight, for an hour, about uh, 10 to 15 of us, we were on the, on the prayer call and we were praying for people and we were praying for the service. Why? Because nothing happens without somebody praying. Now, you may not know who prayed, but nothing happens on earth unless somebody prays. So the question is, can God put his burden on you? The burden of prayer. The third thing we learn about donkeys is that donkeys have an incredible memory. They can recognize areas that they've been in up to 25 years ago. In other words, they can be in a place and, and, and literally recall, I've been here before, even if though it was 25 years ago. What are you saying, Bishop? I'm saying this, that in Psalms 105, verse 5, and Psalm 111, verse 4, God talks about that he talks about the fact that he wants his people to remember his goodness. Psalm 105, verse 5, and I believe it's also might be in Psalm, in 1 Chronicles chapter 16, where David says, remember his marvelous works that he has done, his wonders and the judgments out of his mouth. Folks, we are called to remember the goodness of God. We are called to remember how God brought us out. As a matter of fact, read it for yourself. In Psalm 78, verse 42, in Psalm 106, verse 7, God speaks about, my Lord have mercy, the sin of forgetting. The sin of forgetting. All throughout the Old Testament, God, whenever he brought up a charge against Israel, for their faithlessness or for their serving other idols, he would always say to them, they keep forgetting how I brought them out of Egypt. They keep forgetting how I, how I broke the back of the pow most powerful nation in the world to get them out. I, I, I sent 10 plagues. I, I, I split the Red Sea, and then I drowned their enemies, and they keep forgetting. And my fear is that some of you, yes, I'm talking to you, some of you have forgotten how God brought you out of your past circumstances, and you're, and you're treating this COVID-19 pandemic like it's a new thing like oh my goodness god you did that but how can you do this as uh as our executive pastor uh, uh sister kia always says this is not the first time 
Tell your neighbor, you've been serving God too long to be acting like this. And that's why I remind you of this stone. This stone. It's a short chapter, 1 Samuel chapter 7, when Israel is overwhelmed by the enemy. And again, somebody has to pray. Samuel, they said to him, Samuel, I need, we, we need you. We're turning away from our idols. We're, we're, we're getting our hearts aligned with God. Samuel, we need you to pray for us. And Samuel, whose name means ask of God, asked of God, meaning God needs an intercessor, he says, God forbid if I stop praying for you. Who are you still praying for? And as while they were praying, while they were calling on God, God sent a, 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 a storm to wipe out the, uh, the Philistines and to commemorate the Lord's victory, Samuel grabbed the stone and he called the stone Ebenezer, which means rock, a stone of help. Why? Because he says, up to this time, hitherto, up to this time, the Lord has helped us. And again, I'm challenging you every week, take a sticky and write down something the Lord did for you in the midst of this coronavirus, COVID-19 pandemic. I believe God is doing something every week. As I said to you my, uh, a number of years ago, my wife and I rewrite a, we have a whole list every week. We call it Jehovah Sneaky, meaning the number, the numerous ways every week God has snuck blessings into our lives. And, and, and I challenge you to write down something that the Lord did and maybe put it on a wall someplace so that, mm, so that can be the wall of remembrance so, you, so that God will never charge you with forgetting his goodness. Some of you, God bless you to get into fantastic schools. Some of you, God has blessed you, healed you. Some of you shouldn't even be alive. I think of my mother who was delivered, who God healed her from cancer, had breast cancer, and the doctor said, you'll never see, uh, not the doctor, the devil told her, because the devil's a lie, told her, you'll never see your son get married. Uh, and this was about uh, nine months from my getting married. Well, God is good. Not only did she see me get married, but she's seen her grandchildren. Now her grandchildren are older than I was when she first got the diagnosis. God is a good God. I want to give you a moment right now. Just tell somebody next to you something that the Lord did for you this week. Come on, tell them right now. Tell them what the Lord did for you this week. Maybe, you know, maybe uh, you got some food delivered to you that you didn't expect or or praise God, maybe you were, you were full of anxiety, but now for some reason the anxiety has tapped it down because the worry has tapped down. Why? Because you have your mind on the Lord and the peace of God, which passes all understanding is God in your heart and mind. Folks, please do not act like God has never brought you out. The older saints used to sing this song, the older I get, the sweeter he grows. And if you're old school, you remember that? Jesus, I'll never forget what you've done for me. Hey, Jesus, I'll never forget how you set me free. Ha! What? Jesus, I'll never forget how you brought me out.
Jesus, I'll never forget. No, never. How can I forget? How can I forget? That's a sin if you forget. Jesus needs a donkey. Point four. This is new. Donkeys, I didn't know this, have been used as God animals for sheep. We've heard a lot about sheep dogs, but donkeys have actually been used to guard sheep. What, what do you mean, Bishop? Again, I really believe that if this church is going to have uh, proper pastors, to be pastored properly, then everybody needs to take on the responsibility of being pastoral, not that you are the senior pastor, but we, we need a church that is pastoral, that's always looking out for our fellow sheep. There's a song that I love, and we sing it many times. Uh, it is a new, uh, it's not a new song anymore, but it's a famous song, Reckless Love by Corey Ashbery. And we know the song, Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99, keep that in mind, leaves the 99. There's no shadow you won't light up, talking about God, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you don't tear down, coming after me. I love that song, but there's a problem that can occur for some people with that song, and that is coming after me. Coming after me. Me, 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 me. The question that this donkey point is making is, we brag about Jesus' reckless love for others, but where is your reckless love for your brother and sister? Huh. The writer says he leaves the 99. Do you realize, mm, this is a good word, do you realize that Jesus, when he used that concept of the 99, oh my God, in Luke chapter 15, he is with sinners and he is with tax collectors and he's asking religious leaders. He is asking, he's asking so-called believers, which of you? Don't talk about me leaving the 99. I'm talking about you leaving the 99 to pursue the lost. Oh, oh, here's a question. Do you even have a 99 to leave? You know, I am preaching up in here. What do you mean? Who's your ministry group? Who's your small group? Who's your community? You're, you're not even a community, you're not even in a community to notice that someone is missing. And then if you notice someone is missing, what walls are you kicking down running after somebody? Jesus needs a donkey. 
Jesus needs somebody who says, you know, I haven't heard from such and such in a while, and you know what, I'm going to drive by his house or her house, knock on the door, see how they're doing. Instead of saying, <laughs> I'll pray for you. Come on. Turn to somebody and say, come on, man. Or woman. Okay. We, 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 we need donkeys who are going to watch over sheep especially during this season when we don't get to see and gather like we used to. Finally, my fifth point, and I still have two more points, so next week tune in for Jesus Needs a Donkey Part 3. Oh, yes, you're going to love this. I'm, I'm making a case for donkeys. Donkeys have been lied on. I am, we have a few lawyers in our church, uh, one of them is even a public defender. I am here to be the defense lawyer for the donkeys because they've been lied on. They've been lied on. What do you mean? I'm going to make a declaration to the whole world because we're on the World Wide Web. World donkeys are not stubborn. They've been lied on. <laughs> they've been lied on. Yes, donkeys are not stubborn. The inf- I'm reading this. The infamous donkey reputation for stubbornness, as we've heard terms, stubborn as a mule. Even donkeys, even, even when you refer to somebody as a, I'll use this word, jack donkey, okay? <laughs> you, you're, you're, it's a derogatory term. And donkeys get a bad reputation. As a matter of fact, if you say to somebody, Donkey or horse, everybody's like, oh, of course the horse, because a horse looks so majestic. A horse is such an animal of beauty. I mean, look at that. Oh, my goodness. The Kentucky Derby and, and millions of horses. A donkey? Stubborn as a mule. But I'm going to hear, I'm here to defend the reputation of the donkey. The reason why, you know, I just need to shout. The reason why how the donkey gets his reputation is because the donkey has a natural ability to reason and consider situations carefully before acting. Did you hear what I'm saying? Unlike horses, to whom they're often compared to, donkeys are difficult to startle. We've all saw the movie, seen movies and shows where they said the horses got spooked and they, they run out. Donkeys don't get spooked. <laughs> donkeys are difficult to startle. What do you mean? Psalm, no, no, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 says, let us hold fast, hold firmly to the, to the profession of our faith without wavering because he is faithful, that promise. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38, I believe it is. It says, it says for the just shall live by faith, but if any man turns back, my soul will have no pleasure with him. Uh, and Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 4 says, the just shall live by his or her faith. When you read about Hebrews, 
the book of Hebrews and you read the book of Habakkuk, the, you need to get the context of these books are, are, are written during, during difficult, paralyzed, per, perilous, um, stressful times. And yet in the midst of stress, in the midst of persecution, the writer says you got to live by faith. You can't be startled. You can't be blown with every wind of, of, of storm and, and panic. And, and so God needs donkeys who are going to stand firm and not be stubborn and, and, have, and have what we call a stubborn faith. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 8. First Corinthians, let me go back. Donkeys possess a highly developed sense of self-preservation. Watch this. It is, my goodness, it is difficult to force or frighten a donkey into doing something it sees as contrary to its own best interests and safety. Let me say that again. It is difficult to force or frighten a donkey into doing something it sees as contrary to its own best interests of safety. In other words, do not allow the devil to spook you and to scare you into doing something that is contrary to the will of God. Our safety is in God. Don't allow the enemy, don't allow this pandemic to cause you to run in fear instead of holding on in faith. God needs donkeys. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, it says, be steadfast, be steady, be unmovable. Give yourself fully to the work of God. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 and 9, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, the devil. The word devil means slanderer. Yeah, the, de the word devil actually has a meaning. It means slanderer. It means liar. That means the devil will lie to you about other people. They don't care. They, they don't love me. The devil will lie to you about God. God doesn't care. Look, if God loved you, why would he allow you to lose your job? If God loved you, why would he have you a test for COVID-19, come out positive? If God loved you, why would he allow that to happen to you? He will lie to you about God. He will lie to you about yourself. He'll tell you things like, you'll never make it. You're not good enough. Here you go again. You're always messing up. The devil is a liar. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil... As a roaring lion walks about seeking whom he may devour, the devil is the one you're resisting if you are steadfast in your faith. Your faith will keep the devil off your back. And when I mean off your back, I mean he'll keep you in victory. God will keep you in victory. My final point I tell you, Jesus needs a donkey. Psalm 78, verse 7 and 8. It says this, that they, a generation, might set their hope in God and that this generation not forget the works of God, 
but keep his commandments. Psalm 78, verse 8. And might not be as their fathers. So there's this generation, and he's saying, don't be like your fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright, a generation whose spirit was not steadfast with God. A generation whose spirit was not steadfast with God. Psalm 78, verse 7, that they might be a generation who sets their hope in God and does not forget the works of the Lord. Here's a question the Lord asked to me. He said, Brian, what kind of generation will you be after this crisis is over? What kind of generation will we be after this crisis is over? A few months ago in December, I had three young teenagers who shared the gospel they preached they, they preached, um, and, um, and I was so proud to see these three young men preach the gospel, 14, 15, and 16. And as I was thinking about generations, I thought of, I, I read an article recently. It, it came out last week um, on the 16th of April. And it was written by a man named Scotty Andrew. And the title of it was Teenagers Will Never Be the Same After This Pandemic. And what it was basically saying, what he was basically saying, the writer, again, if you want to read it, it's by Scotty Andrew. Yeah, it was written on, um, on April 16th. And what he was saying was that he, the connotation was this, this pandemic has been so traumatic for teenagers, you know, some who are not going to graduate or get a, get a nice graduation uh, a ceremony. Some of them, you know, I'm, I'm, they're not going to have their uh, prom, all these major milestones. And, and the writer says this is going to have a negative effect on them for the rest of their lives. I'm here to say the devil is a liar. I am here to say that I, I, I've asked God, I said, God, this generation that's coming up, this generation that was born after you know, 2000, the year 2000 after, I, I am believing you, God, that you're going to use me and others to raise up the greatest generation of the 21st century. Somebody say amen. That somebody say amen. I, I am believing that. If, if you look at history, they, they talk, they're talking about now. You were hearing about a lot of people dying in nursing homes, and 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 we're talking about that. There's a generation that was born between 1910 and 1924, and they're called the greatest generation. They're called the great generation. My generation is called baby boomers. There's another generation called, called millennials. Uh, their generation in 1910 to 1924, they're called the greatest generation. 
generation. I am declaring right now that this generation that was born the year 2000 and after, that though, though this writer is saying they will never be the same because of the pandemic, I'm saying yes, they will never be the same because this pandemic is going to make them the greatest generation in this century. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to pray right now and prophesy. And if, you, if you're sitting in your bedroom or room watching this, I want to give you about 10 seconds to, if you have somebody in that room who, who was born after the year, no, 2000 and after, which means they're probably about 20. I, I, I want you to put your hands on them right now. Obviously, it's probably your child. Maybe it's a baby that was just born. But I want you to lay your hands on that child right now. I want to give you about 20 seconds to just pray over right, them right now. Just pray over them right now. Just pray over them right now. Because I'm about to prophesy over your children. I'm about to prophesy over this generation. In the name of Jesus, I'm going to prophesy. Oh, yes, they're going to be donkeys. Oh, yes. They're going to hear the cry of the poor. Yes, they will. Ah, yes, they will. They're going to be bearing the burdens of other people and burdens of the Lord. Oh, yes, they will. Ah, yes, yes. They're going to, they're going to watch over other people and not just be concerned about themselves. Oh, yes, they will. And, and, and they, they're, going to be, uh, they're going to be a generation that's going to remember the goodness of the Lord this whole pandemic it's going to mock them they're going to you know years from now when they're married and they have children and they'll say mommy daddy the, their parents say, mommy daddy how did you get this way oh child back in the year 2020 just at the turn of the decade there was a pandemic that i thought was going to take me out but it made me stronger yes as i was a teenager just like you i was a young person just like you but god kept me years from now they're going to remember the goodness of God. And yes, they're going to be steadfast in their faith. They're not going to be spooked. They're not going to be startled. When people are like, are you nervous? They're like, I've been through a pandemic and God brought me through. This, <laughs> this is not my first time. Okay, right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I prophesy that this generation of teenagers and younger who the world is saying and speaking over their lives that they're going to be full of trauma, that their, that their future outlook is going to be faithless, that, that they're going to be wrought with worry and anxiety. I curse that in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I speak blessings on this generation. I speak blessings. They're, they're going to be the generation, according to Psalm that, that they spoke of, they're going to be the generation that remembers the works of the Lord. I speak blessings. For the word blessing, our word blessing comes from an old uh, English word, bledsion, which, which means marked by blood. I mark these children with the blood of Jesus. Uh, even as last week, as the Jewish uh, religion celebrated 
celebrated Passover. I, I celebrate Passover every day for these children that the blood of Jesus will cause the death angel, the blood of Jesus will cause calamity to pass over these children that they will be marked by you. That they will be a generation full of faith. That there'll be a generation who not simply will sing that old hymn, faith of our fathers, but they will actually have a faith even greater than the prior generations because the hand of the Lord is on them. I, 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 I reverse every curse. I reverse every, every evil word that was spoken over their lives. Your word says, uh, I, I believe in, in Proverbs 18, verse 21, 22, death and life are in the power of the tongue. I speak life. I speak life. I speak life. They will not, oh yeah, they'll be marked by this pandemic. They'll be marked by this pandemic pandemic for the glory of God that this pandemic that was meant to kill them will make them stronger that which the devil meant for evil like Joseph instead of destroying them it'll make them greater leaders greater leaders greater leaders for the body of Christ and for the cause of Jesus so I bless you I bless this generation in Jesus name amen Well, if you never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, just ask him to come into your life and save you for your sins and ask him to make you a child of God. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Just call on him, Jesus. I'm giving you my life. And if you've done that, please, if you've done that, let us know. Again, send an email to mail at ptspice.org or you can send a text to our pastor Akira or whatever information you uh, have on how to get in contact with us. You can go to our website, ptspice.org but let us know that you receive Jesus so that we can really be a blessing to you. I want to pronounce a final blessing over your life. Um, if you've been anywhere uh, Around our church, you know, we end uh, with a closing blessing and not a closing prayer. So I'm going to ask you to put out your hands. You can put out your hands this way or you can put out your hands virtually uh, through um, an emoji. And I'm going to speak over you, especially during this times, the blessings in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. So Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says, be worried about nothing. But everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your request known unto God and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your mind and guide your heart, your emotions. And then verse 8, and this is the blessing. I bless you, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, I bless you to think continually on whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's worthy of respect, which means I bless you to not think on anything that brings regret. I bless you to think on whatever is right, whatever is confirmed by the Bible, the word of God. I bless you to think on whatever is pure because only the pure in heart will see God. I bless you to think on whatever is wholesome, whatever is lovely, whatever brings you peace and the shalom of God. I bless you. I bless you to think on whatever is to be admired, whatever is 
of a good or a God report. Whose report will you believe? Believe the report of the Lord. I bless you to think on whatever is excellent. That is, whatever causes you to excel in Christ. I bless you to think on whatever is worthy of praise. I bless you to think continually on whatever centers your mind and implants your heart in Christ alone. I bless you in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ.